Hello and welcome back to the spreadsheet test brought to you by Looks Good on Paper. As ever, I'm your host Felix Pate. In today's episode, I'm going to be exploring England's so-called golden generation, why it didn't work, and some options that Sven-Goran Eriksson could have tried to get the most out of the players at his disposal. Uh, if you listen to this episode on Spotify, uh, please consider leaving a review. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button if you enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on our latest videos. Um, the first thing to say is that while this was called a golden generation, did they fail? Um, three quarterfinals in three international tournaments for Ericsson, losing to eventual champions Brazil in 2002 at the World Cup and going out twice to Portugal on penalties both times, it may be added, very English of them, there in Euro 2004 and the World Cup of 2006. The first thing I uh, noticed when looking at the kind of general 11 that people think about of that era is the amount of club links with players who either were playing together at team level at that time or had played together. Um, you had, for example, Paul Robinson and Rio Ferdinand um, at Leeds. You had this Chelsea core on the left-hand side um, of Cole, Lampard and Terry, who played together under Mourinho. Um, you had, if I put Gary Neville in for Carragher here, you had uh, Manchester United links. You had Scholes and Rooney on this left-hand side. You had Neville and Beckham who played together for many uh, games at Manchester United. Gerard and Owen have played together a lot for Liverpool during the late 90s, early 2000s. And then you had uh, Beckham and Owen who were teammates at Real Madrid. Um, we haven't actually done a lot of work in quantifying chemistry, um, but a lot of research suggests that it is very important, especially at international level, when coaches don't get time with their players. So it's a positive to see so many players with links together at club level. Um, it didn't quite translate to the pitch at times, it seemed. But there we go. Um, first thing to note, the goalkeeping situation. Um, Paul Robinson very much the number one around the 2006 period after James dropped off a little bit in 2004. Uh, poor game against France. Our impact score, um, adjusted for their 2005 age and form, has Robinson around 121, where 100 is average, and James at just 82. So, Robinson the clear favourite in goal. At centre-back, um, you had a pair who were in at the peak of their powers, and it's a shock, really, that they only played together at one international tournament in 2006. Um, you know, Terry didn't make his debut until 2003, uh, and then Ferdinand was suspended in 04 and injured in 10. We didn't qualify in 2008, so they ended up only playing at one World Cup together, which is a real shame. But in terms of a, a centre-back partnership, both were world-class at the time. Terry, 173 for his impact score in 05. Uh, Ferdinand, 171, so two world-class central defenders. And a nice contrasting pair, actually. We've done some work in looking at how centre-back pairs contrasting, whether that helps or hinders a team. And it, it does especially, their defensive outputs tend to be the same, but looking at their attacking output, uh, or they, their goal threat, as it were, Terry at 0.2 attacking contributions per 90, Ferdinand just 0.09. So you've got this uh, contrast between more of the, the ball player, the sweeper uh, in Ferdinand, who could play these, these long balls out to the wings, or for the centre midfielders to run onto. Terry, the more classical English stopper, um, following the lineage of Butcher and Adams, you know, very good in the air, 
Um, stuff I've read and heard about John Terry from people who play with him, very good apparently, these little chip balls. Um, so either into Lampard here or out to Cole to run onto. Um, and it just relieves pressure, chips it over one line of um, the other team's press. So a really world-class balanced centre-back partnership there. And balance is a key theme I'm going to touch on in this podcast. Happens again uh, in the full-back positions. You've got Ashley Cole, who could basically dominate this whole right-hand side, especially if you think Paul Scholes, more of a central player, tucking inside. You've got Cole dominating this whole left flank. Neville. Had a good understanding with uh, Beckham for the time to go at Manchester United. He knew when to overlap, um, but he was also probably more defensively minded than Cole. Could tuck in if Cole went on a rampage. You could tuck in shift to form a little bit of a three here. Um, again, both of them pretty good at the time. Cole 152 impact score and Neville 145. So a very, very solid back four. The midfield is probably the most contentious part about uh, Ericsson's tenure as England manager. Um, the dynamic duo, midfield, Gerrard and Lampard, why could Ericsson never get the best out of them? Here's my theory based on our data. Something we're exploring, uh, something called usage. So players fight for resources on the pitch. Um, one of those is space, and one of those is possession. Um, you know, some players just want the ball all the time. So some teams funnel their attacks usually through a midfielder or a, an attacking midfielder, a number 10 type. You think of um, Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zahara or Aston Villa with Jack Grealish. Most of their attacks are going to be funneled through this player and they're the main creative hub. Um, Gerard and Lampard were both this. They were they were midfielders uh, in you know European elite sides who liked to bomb on, who liked to become a goal threat, make late runs into the box. And it's summed up by their, their attacking contributions. Lampard, 0.58 per 90, and Gerard 0.52. So both really liked to, to bomb on. And the problem was that at club level, they were both used to playing with sitting midfielders. Lampard um, had McAuley and then later John Obi Mikel. Gerard had um, Javier Alonso, Didi Haman, and Javier Mascherano. And these players would offer them insurance and protection, which gave them the license to bomb on. But when they were playing together, they didn't have, especially Gerard. Um, Benitez noted at times he bemoaned his lack of um, tactical awareness and discipline. He just liked to run all over the place. So both of them really wanted to bomb on. If Beckham had got the ball on this right-hand side, it was very possible that both of them wanted to make this late run, a uh, third-man run into the penalty area. And... It leaves this big box of the midfield just totally um, kind of exposed. Get this big empty area here and here. And all it takes is a defender to chip a ball into there. The defence is left with all this space in front of them. So not the lack of a, a sitting midfielder is possibly one of the, the sticking points of this midfield. Uh, and we'll come on to some options that Ericsson could have explored. David Beckham on the right-hand side, naturally a, a very good right-hand sided player. Could get up and down the right flank, known for his crossing. Offered a goal threat. Um, impact score around the time estimated at 130, which is very, very good. Uh, on the left-hand side, yeah, this was uh, always the sticking point. Made forced Paul scores into international retirement in 2004 because he was fed up with being stuck out there. Played in a number of roles in his England career, sometimes in a midfield two here, often as a number 10, 
uh, under Glenn Hoddle especially um, in the late 90s. Eriksen played him in this left-hand side role. Skolza's um, attacking output, not at the level of, of Gerrard and Lampard, he was just at 0.43. So he was definitely someone more involved in build-up um, and the, the middle third of the pitch rather than direct contributions to goal in the final third. So it's a bit strange seeing him on this left-hand side. Obviously a right-foot player, so not someone who can naturally run down the byline and get a cross in. You know, that's Ashley Cole's job to overlap him. Preferably wants to tuck inside and dictate the play, and especially in his, his later career at Manchester United, Ferguson played him alongside people like Fletcher and Carrick and Hargreaves, and he could he could sit deep um, and spray passes, you know, long diagonals into the channels, or through balls over the top um, for strikers to run onto. You know, famous slide rule passes that he he was very good at. Whoops. So that left hand side role really didn't quite suit his skill set. And then because the two strikers, Rooney and Owen, again quite a, a disparity in their attacking contributions. Um Rooney 0.77 per ninety, Owen one point zero six. So Owen definitely more of the, the direct goal threat, the, the kind of poacher if you were, winning in behind you think his famous goal against Argentina in ninety eight, FA Cup final two thousand and one. And the shame for him was that once that pace went, which was one of his key attributes um, due to injury, couldn't quite recapture the form. He saw him win a Ballon d'Or in 2001, for example. He lost that main attribute to the game. Rooney, long and illustrious career because he could he could link the play, he could morph this into an attacking midfield role and become almost a 4-2-3-1 sort of shape, and other than normally a 4-4-2. Uh, and he could drop in, play link passes, interchange with his midfielders, but obviously also a massive goal threat. So that was Sven Kjoti, was the 4-4-2. Now three other options that I think he could have explored, um, starting with the 4-3-3. Um, I'll take Skulls out, retires in 2004, so we'll look at beyond that, and bringing in um, Michael Carrick, bringing to play this 4-3-3 this uh, role. So straight away in the midfield, you're offered a lot more balance. As I said, balance, absolutely crucial. You've got Michael Carrick in this sitting role. Could also have been uh, Owen Hargreaves. But Carrick allows you to um, to set the tempo. Uh, impact score at the time of around 146. It's very, very good on the cusp of his Manchester United move. Way down on the attacking contributions. Less than someone like John Terry. Just 0.13 per 90. With a lot of defensive output, so he could basically screen this back floor, uh, back four rather, um, like a Makaleli, like a, a Didi Hamam, could drop in if needs be to create a back three. Wasn't as prominent at the time, but could have done. Um, obviously, ended his career at centre half, and he his positional discipline gives Gerard and Lampard the license to do what they do best, really, which is. Bomb on if Lampard's got the ball, he can go. Gerard can drift into this space just in front of Carrick. Vice versa, Gerard bursting through the right hand channels. Lampard floating in the space towards the left centre of the pitch. Um, so it gave them that protection to do what they do best. Whereas in a two, if Carrick's not there and they both want to go, they've they've left this space in behind. So Carrick can, can fill that space. Beckham stays on the right hand side. 
Rooney on this left-hand side, again, it's it's the Paul Scholes conundrum, isn't it? You're, you're leaving him vulnerable. Um, or not vulnerable, but, you know, a little bit wasted, you might feel. Um, you know, nowadays, we do see sides playing a 4-3-3 with someone of Owen's profile on the left-hand side. I think um, Timo Werner, Vardy's played out there, a Sadio Mane, perhaps, a Raheem Sterling, someone with pace and goal-scoring threat on this left-hand side, cutting in, um, especially on the counter-attack. Um, but we could also put Joe Cole in there. Joe Cole played on the left for Chelsea in a very similar 4-3-3 shape. It strengthens our links uh, down the left-hand side. Because now we've got two Coles, we've got Terry and we've got Lampard, so we've got this quartet of Chelsea players. Um, so it strengthens that chemistry that we talked about has been fundamental at times for international sides. Um, Cole could go on the inside uh, or out. He could cut inside with his trickery and allow Ashley uh, to overtake. He could go to the byline like a conventional winger. Unpredictability was one of his biggest assets. Um, a good goal threat as well. More of a goal threat. Um, I'm sorry, less of a goal threat than Skulls. Um but still added one, um, could still track as well. You know, this could become perhaps a 4-5-1 if we're, we're sitting off and allowing Rooney to press and then one of the midfielders bursting forward to help with the press um, if needs be. So that was that's definitely one shape that England um, could have explored at the time. The second um, would be, a, for me, a, a midfield diamond. Again, we'll, we'll bring Michael Owen back on for this. Um, so my, my diamond is quite narrow. So you've got Neville and Cole as fullbacks. Cole I wouldn't be worried about. Um, Neville perhaps covering that side. Obviously Beckham could drift wide to help out. Or, you know, potentially someone like an Owen Hargreaves had played right back at the time uh, for England. Uh, and a midfielder, a bit more industry, still offered you a lot of defensive capability, offered a good passing range. He could have potentially played there, so we'll leave him in for now. Carrick again at the base, controlling the tempo, shielding his, his defenders, dropping in if needs be, taking the ball under pressure, playing it out. I would have played Lampard and uh, a Gerrard here. Although Lampard has got the, the higher attacking uh, output than Gerrard, um, he has got that little bit more uh, defensive awareness as well, uh, according to our statistics. Uh, and our model so Gerard can play this free role and behind the strikers like he ended up doing later on in his Liverpool career playing behind someone like Fernando Torres uh, Beckham could play centrally uh, play centrally at Real Madrid could play centrally at Manchester United um, 1999 Champions League final springs to mind Lampard was used to this left hand role if we call this a 4-3 even 1-2 at times you, you get to keep the elite front two you know at the time Rooney on the rise with his impact score, 133. Uh, Owen was at 147 at the time. So you get to keep that strike partnership. You don't have to lose one. Um, obviously in the 4-3-3, we had to lose one. Um, but both suffered with injuries, so maybe that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, that you had different options and you could rotate them as a central striker, give Joe Cole some minutes on that left-hand side. So the diamond would definitely have been... Uh, another option and the third potential option 
something like a 352 um, and we'll bring Jamie Carragher in and discuss some other options in defence again the same midfield trio Cole Beckham as wing backs we'll come on to that so the, the back three I've got here were uh, Terry as the left side of centre half Ferdinand in the middle and, and Jamie Carragher who at the time was also yeah, England's third world class centre back uh, very unlucky to be playing at that, that time really I guess um, 169 impact score at that time very very good just a notch below Ferdinand and Terry had experience as a fullback, um, both left and right hand side, so would have been comfortable um, if the back three had to split, drifting out wide and covering the space, especially in behind Beckham, who is less likely to track back. This could end up becoming a, a more conventional four. At times, if Cole needs to tuck in as the more natural defender than midfielder, uh, and Carragher didn't offer, was more of a, a stopper, or a combination of the two really, he didn't have the attacking output of um, Terry wasn't quite classed as, as much of a ball player or a sweeper type as, as Ferdinand so again he offers a nice balance and you've got three nice profiles across that back three of course Neville could have played in this role as well played there at Euro 96 uh, under Terry Venables and started his career as a centre-back before moving to full-back uh, England's other centre-back options at the time someone like Sol Campbell uh, he played in Euro 2004 and so did Ludley King. I John will get here, but King as well played at Euro 2004. So again, different options. Um, Campbell and King, very similar at the time, similar impact scores, uh, very similar defensive output. Uh, Campbell offering a little bit more in attack, more probably uh, as a threat in the box. Um, King, a good ball player, could even have played in a defensive midfield role at times as he did for Tottenham. Again, we've got Carrick in this sitting role. We could play um, Owen Hargreaves there. Um, Nicky Butt probably just moved on by this point. And then Lampard and Gerrard, again, are free to rotate. Or both bomb on, knowing, again, they've got this, this insurance policy behind them in, in Michael Carrick. Um, Beckham would have patrolled this right-hand side, loved to get crosses in. Perhaps have drifted inside, which could have caused an issue. But again, like we said with Gerard, he tended to drift as well. So he may have even seen Beckham coming in here and Gerard drifting wide right to try and receive the ball, linking up with club teammate Carragher. We're talking about links again. There it was a good crosser. So you could have seen some interplay between those two. Cole would have wouldn't have minded having this left hand side to himself. He's used to it anyway. Uh, could defend the whole flank very well and was an effective crosser. And then the front two. Uh, again, we've got Rooney and Owen. Rooney dropping deep to create a, a midfield four at times. You've got a 5-4-1 in defence, perhaps. Um, Owen could take more advantage of uh, balls being played out from the back, from Terry and Ferdinand, or whoever was playing their long balls in behind. Uh, and England did have other striking options. Um, you had some like an Emil Heskey, more of a, a target man. Impact score at the time around 132. Goal output around just 0.6, so he, his game wasn't based purely on goals. He brought other attributes to the table, linked especially well with uh, Owen at Liverpool, and famously for England in the 5-1 victory over Germany. He could hold the ball up um, in the air, lay it off uh, to the onrushing Owen, the onrushing Gerrard, and even Frank Lampard um, for them to run onto, which would have been a, a nice attacking weapon for England to have used. 
you had someone like a, a Jermaine Defoe who profiles very similarly to Michael Owen as that, that poacher type winning in behind um, attacking contribution 1.1 per 90 so even better than Owen's impact score at 123 at the time um, doing very well leading the line for Tottenham again someone who could run in behind win uh, if Heskey can win these knockdowns he can pick up the loose ball drive at the defence staying in and around this penalty area uh, and then someone like um, Peter Crouch who Gerard worked well with at Liverpool again profile similar to a Heskey bit more goal contribution from Crouch 0.85 attacking contributions per 90 was very good in the air, six foot seven, um, quite gangly, but good with his feet as well. A little bit more technical ability, perhaps at the time, um, than Emil Heskey. Um, and both had worked well with uh, Gerard at Liverpool. Uh, Crouch actually scored a, a hat trick just before in a, a walk at warm up game uh, against Jamaica. So it was good to have options, and I think. That was important. That it's a squad game is often bandied around, especially at an international tournament. You don't know what's going to happen with injuries, so having these options uh, and having these different systems to fit players into is something that didn't really get explored under um, Sven's tenure. There was a brief flirtation with a diamond, but other than that, it was often just a, a four-four-two, and it, it probably didn't get the most out of these players as we've shown using our data. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this video. I've really enjoyed making it for you. Um, if you'd like to see more of these videos, if you have any other ideas for teams or looking at the roles of individual players, please do let me know. You can get in touch um, via Twitter at LGOPFelix. I'll put the link in the description. Or via email flixpate at me.com. Uh, F-L-I-X-P-A-T-E at me, M-E dot com. Uh, and... Hopefully we can do some more videos. I'm not a master tactician. There are far better tactical analysts out there than me. But I've really enjoyed exploring tactics um, through a data lens, a historical data lens, looking at the contributions of players and, and fitting them into roles that might work and overall achieving a nice balance in a side. Uh, so thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And I'll see you again very soon.